Next on BYU Sports Nation, after a night of fireworks last night, we explore the most explosive play in BYU history and what we expect from the defensive line this year. Hey, he's a former Cougar defensive lineman. He's also a Super Bowl champion. His name is Chris Hoke. He was running the program. What does he expect from BYU's D-line this year? Plus my latest 10 and 10 of the top 10 quarterbacks the Cougars will face this fall. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, your hosts, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard. What is good? BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Thursday, July 5th. I'm Jerem Jordan. Spencer Linton is cleaning up all the fireworks outside his house, so I'm teamed up with illegal firework proponent Jason Shepard. Do you have the, the bucket of water that you can throw everything in after, and then yeah, it just oh, sits yeah. there and gets soggy overnight? Yes. It's it, gross. In fact, I uh, walked into my kitchen this morning to find said <laughs> cup, in this case, oh, nice. for the sparklers. We didn't, we didn't go hard uh, on the fireworks. But uh, are you the drive to Wyoming to get your no, stuff? No, guy? and I'm not just saying this because we're, we're on TV. <laughs> Although I, that's a good thing. <laughs> I, I have never gone to get the illegal fireworks, ever. I've this, lived in Utah almost 30 years. I've never gone to do that. This reminds me of that moment in Armageddon when they're in space. And he's like, oh. Isn't and, that the uh, whole movie? I don't, I don't pay taxes or what? I, don't, I haven't paid taxes since whatever. And they're like, oh, they'll get them. They'll get them for that. Yeah. Well, have you? Do you want to answer that truthfully? No, I, no, I'm not a big firework guy. My father-in-law's like mega firework guy. Different laws in Oregon than Utah, I'll tell you that. It's not as dry. A little, yeah. It's a little easier. Yes, you don't have in to fact, worry about the fire In my neighborhood, like, fireworks are illegal. Um, yeah, so we, we have to wander outside the neighborhood to do anything beyond like sparklers. So. Did you Although to- I did get carded to buy sparklers. Carded? At Walmart. Because you have to be over 18. I was like, really? Does this face look 16 to you? Take like, that as a compliment. The older you get, the more you want things like that yeah. to happen. Yeah, no, that was good. Obviously doesn't watch the show. I but, didn't really. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly not a BYU Sports Nation. You know. Probably a listener. Probably yeah, a there listener. you go. He yeah. listens. He exactly. just doesn't know what you look like. Exactly. Rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. The Learfield Cup Sports Rankings pits all of college athletics against each other, ranking who's the best overall athletic program in the country in college. The results are in from the 2017-8 season. Uh, 18 season. The Cougars finished 45th, second highest among all non-Power 5 schools. The Princeton Tigers were higher than the Brighams. The Cougars also finished 45th in, the, in an average of the past five years. So Jason, what does this say about the state of the BYU athletic program? Well, it says that as a whole, BYU is in really good shape from an athletic standpoint. Certainly, football and basketball get the most notoriety, but what makes the Learfield Cup such a big deal is that it encompasses the other sports Mm -hmm. to give you that accurate assessment of the entire athletic program. And football and basketball, they will definitely tell you that they're not where they want to be, but BYU sports in general, when you look at everything in its entirety, is in a really good place right now nationally. I agree with you. This is a testament to what BYU is doing. It's out of 291 schools. Um, this is NCAA only, so it doesn't take into account, say, rugby, men and women's lacrosse, racquetball, and whatnot that BYU competes in. Uh, men's soccer, BYU Love won racquetball. the national club title. I believe the women's racquetball team won the national title this year or something. Um, no, BYU is a really strong program. 
athletically across the board. Some things that didn't help was women's soccer not making the NCAA tournament. Baseball, we were hoping, would make the NCAA tournament. Those would have helped. I want to point out that Gonzaga was fifth in the league, by the way, in this ranking, 113th. Yeah. So Pepperdine was the second best school among the West Coast Conference schools, which is interesting. But in 2016, when we explored BYU athletics in and out, good and bad, in the Big 12 uh, joke of a process, it became really evident that BYU Athletics is really strong across the board. Like, there's not a program that year in and year out is just terrible. I mean, it, generally speaking, BYU is really, really solid across the board in athletics. You have an off year here or there, but finishing 45th among 291 schools, I think that's and second among FBS schools, that's really strong. Or non-Power 5, excuse me. You know, and from a fan standpoint... When you are a fan of BYU, regardless of what the sport is, when you go watch a BYU team play, you're usually going to see a very good team that's usually going to win. And it's fun to Not watch. Not many programs can say right. that. Right. It could trust me, it could be a lot worse, you know, with with other places, but it's fun to go like I'm on vacation in San Francisco, women's volleyball team yeah. playing San Francisco. I go and watch the game and they sweep and it's fun. So I know that BYU fans enjoy the team going across the country, not just football, going to them and showing well and making the NCAA tournament in a lot of sports and repping at the highest level. So I think BYU is in a good place athletically. Obviously, it can always be better. Like you said, certain sports can improve. Uh, but generally speaking, really, really strong. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of improvement, obviously we're looking for improvement from the football team. And on the defensive side, like any good defense, getting great play from the front seven is an absolute must yes. for success. And it really does start up front on the defensive line to get that push and disrupt what the opposing offense wants to do. So, Jerome, what do you expect from the BYU defensive line this year? I expect the defensive line to be better. Now, uh, I expect generally them to do well because last year there were some highlights. Sione Takitaki had a good year. He did have a good year. He had six sacks, 12 and a half tackles for loss. Uh, I want to talk about the top uh, guys in tackles for loss. Let's talk about defensive line at BYU generally first. The defensive end should get some sacks. The defensive tackles, the two interior guys of those four, probably aren't getting as many tackles, as many tackles for loss, and definitely not as many sacks. They are uh, there to plug up the middle so that uh, the linebackers come in and make a play because BYU can recruit really good Linebackers. So by tackles for loss or TFLs last year, Sione Takitaki led the way with 12 and a half. He's now a linebacker, okay? He had one and a half versus the Power Five teams in the four games, okay? Corbin Kafusi had seven and a half. That's a good number for an end, okay? He had one and a half against Power Five teams. Kairos Tonga, who we'll address in a moment, uh, four tackles for loss, one versus Power Five teams. Um, and then the other guys. Uh, Trajan Pele at three, Kenzie Tauzinga one and a half, Handsome Taniello one. Not enough. A little more. A little more. Trajan's young. Tauzinga and Taniello probably should have had a little bit more there in the middle. I need more tackles for loss. That To me, it's not going to be sacks. That's not going to be the number that will define this group. To me, it's tackles for loss. More and more against Power 5 teams. Not enough. Look, when, when I talked with Coach Tuiaki at Media Day, we ran the interview on Monday. One of the things that he talked about that really stood out to me was he says he, he thinks this team has the chance to be a really physical team. And, and while he didn't necessarily mention the D-line specifically, I think he was talking more in the overall sense of the defense, I think the goal is for the defensive front to be much more dominating and that physical force this upcoming season. I think we're going to see a trend in that direction. They have the bodies, and I think they have the talent to do that. 
Tuiaki and Sataki have both had a lot of success coaching up guys at that position. Speaking of the defensive line, and with Elisa now in charge of that position group, I, I like the potential of what we could see this year. At Utah, Kalani Sataki and Elisa Tuiaki were known for producing stellar defenses. Yep. That was Kalani Sataki's calling card. Um, anchored by quality, disruptive, sacking, gap-plugging defensive linemen like the Lotuleles, Krugers, Trevor Riley, Nate Orchard, to name a few. At BYU, we now hope Kairos Tonga is the next one in that line as a nose tackle. So, Jason, is Kairos Tonga the next great Satake Tuiaki defensive lineman? I believe he can be, yes. Um, This is certainly more about projecting what we expect for him, but from a talent standpoint, he absolutely can be. The guys, and this is just what's listed, okay? 6'4", 332 pounds. He's built like those other guys that you mentioned before. The coaches love him. I really do expect big things from him this year, and not just this year, but just moving forward. The guy is an absolute beast. Like, you were not going to move this. There's a reason why there were a lot of P5 teams going after him, so BYU getting him was a really big deal. Here's what I want you to do today. If you have free time today at all, I want want you to go to BYUCougars.com, go to the football page, go to the roster, and I want you to look at the pitcher of Kairos Tonga there, okay? The look on his face, that is the look of a man that knows he's about to run you over, okay? <laughs> so just just take a look at it today. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Kairos Tonga was going to go to Utah, but uh, your boy Kalani Staki and Elias Tuiaki are down at BYU, so he came down to BYU. He was going to be the next great Ute defensive lineman. Guess what? He's with the Cougars, and it is a great thing. We hope that he is the next great defensive lineman yes. that those guys produce. I think Corbin Kafus is a pretty good player um, as well. But right now, a lot of potential for Kairos Tonga as freshman year. 19 tackles, 4 tackles for loss, 2 sacks. Those numbers are in line with what the Lotuleles did as freshmen. Now let's look at the sophomore year for those guys, both in the NFL, Star and Lowell. Uh, 44 tackles for Star, 9 tackles for loss, 1.5 sacks. Lowell, 26 tackles, 5 tackles for loss, 1 sack. So I propose that a quality season in line with those guys uh, in the spirit of Sataki Tuiaki, turn these guys out. 30 plus tackles, 8 plus tackles for last two sacks. Two sacks last year was more than Star and Lowell had their sophomore years, by the way. I, I think so those would be good numbers. And Elias Tuiaki says he thinks that Kairos Tonga could be a guy that leaves early for the NFL. I think two sacks is conservative for next year. Well, as a defensive line, like. Look, I understand. I understand. Junior, junior I, I year, Lotulele had five. I understand. Junior year. But I think this is a guy that could get three or four sacks. Tackles for loss, to me, is a bigger indicator agreed. of the quality yes, than sacks. Because the nose tackle getting a sack is less likely than, say, the end. Yeah. Right? All right. Not just because we talked about it. I'm going to assume nobody needs to be reminded that yesterday was the 4th of July. And hopefully... Is someone like, wait, what? <laughs> hopefully everybody had a fun and safe Independence Day. The day for most filled with family, food, and fireworks. And speaking of fireworks, Jerem, got us thinking about BYU plays. No. Oh. Good song, though. Uh, what is the most explosive play in BYU history for you? There are so many plays uh, that you could list here, but mine is 2003 against San Diego State. This is the longest run in BYU history for Reynaldo Braithwaite, and here it is. Alta. To Brathwaite, he has some room. He's picking him up and putting him down. 
to go. I have no idea what Reynaldo was picking up or putting down with our homie Tom Kirkland on His the call. Feet. He was picking him up and putting him down. Typically, that would be used in like a, a wrestling He's move or something. picking him up, putting him down. Yeah. He's but, running fast. Reynaldo Braithwaite goes 95 yards. That's as explosive a play as there's ever been at BYU. Look, for me, I decided to go with something recent because most of us have the attention span of a five-year-old. So, uh, Speak for yourself. Mine's four years old. Okay. So I did decide to go with something fairly recent, and it happened in a game back in the year 2015 in Lincoln, Nebraska. Three-man rush. Mangum, all kinds of time. Steps into the throw, in the wind, down to the goal line, and caught! Touchdown, BYU! Look, you can define explosive however you want. I was an elite play. I'm going to go with a freshman rolling out in his first game, back one month from his LDS mission trip vacation. Helmet's too big, where it just worked out. Helmet, helmet's too big, he's coming off two years of working out rigorously every day <laughs> and throws a Hail Mary game winner with no time left to win in Nebraska. Yeah, that's that, going to be my explosive play. That play is so good. Can we watch and listen to it again? <laughs> Can we do that? It's okay. Here we go. Three man rush. Mangum all kinds of time. Steps into the throw, in the wind, down to the goal line, and caught! Touchdown, BYU! Single tier. <laughs> it's so good. Everything it's about that it's is great. perfect, including the call by Sean McDonough. Yes. Into the wind, down to the goal. He's it's, like, just bit like, you're coming down the backstretch of the uh, Kentucky Derby there. Like, it's the perfect everything. I think it's I to- so good. I think I told you the other day that I actually watched the majority of that game on an on a, airplane. On a plane. So, but with I, some snakes. But <laughs> Samuel Jackson was right. I didn't quite That's understand. Random, yeah. But I, I landed before the end of the game. I was able to get into the car for the final couple of minutes. So I'm driving up Bangor Highway in Salt Lake, going from the airport to my house when that Hearing play Greg happened. So I'm listening, I'm listening to the radio call with Greg. When he caught that awesome. and Greg said touchdown, I screamed so loud that I scared. I, in 15, she would have been two years old. My, my then two-year-old daughter, she was bawling because I scared her well, to so death. so were you. You were bawling too. In a good way, though. Our question of the day, what's the most explosive play in BYU history? Let's go to your responses on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use hashtag BYUSN in the voice of the nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Nick Lee 51, Google explosive plays, and Jamal Williams' night against Toledo should be near the top. He had some great runs in that. 286, a BYU single-game rushing record, passing the great Eldon Forti. I almost, uh, one of the ones I thought of was Jamal's block in the Poinsettia Bowl. Oh, yeah. That's what I thought of that one as as a possibility. Wait, are you, wait. Are you thinking of Jonah Trinneman's block for oh, Jamal? Yes, excuse yeah, me. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Jonah's so block, yes. Jonah, Jonah blocks the guy, and then the guy gets so mad he comes back and yes. then hits Jonah so hard he kind of tumbles, but yeah. Jamal was already yes. in the end zone. Yeah, that was fantastic. That was great. Continue to weigh in. Use uh, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. What's the most explosive play in BYU football history? Coming up, the 10 best quarterbacks 
The BYU will face this year. Jerem drops his 10 in 10. And the man, the myth, the legend, eight-year NFL vet Chris Hoke joins us. What are his expectations for the defensive line this season? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join BYU Sports Nation and chime in on the program. You can use Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. As always, use the hashtag BYUSN. Welcome back. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Our question of the day. What's the most explosive play in BYU sports history? I said football. I think it's just general sports. Yes. BYU sports history. At uh, PPD52 on Twitter. Pretty bird. Pretty bird. <laughs> well done. Fourth and 18, Hall to Collie, the loudest I've ever heard Lavelle Edwards Stadium. And then there's a a producer side note here. Highest note I've ever heard a grown man squeal from Jason Shepard. (laughs) We don't need to talk about that. It was an it was an exciting moment. We'll just say that it was exciting. It was a great. Both of those. Collie caught that right in front of me, like right in front of me. Yeah. And I I don't think you you hugged him. I don't. It was really awkward. I, I did not for everybody. I did not. Right in front of me. But can you I, did hug someone. Can I put it into the context that it happened right in front of me? Did it? Oh, I, right in front of me. Right in front of you. Uh, you know what's almost right in front of us? The Arizona Wildcats. Oh, nice. Countdown to the Wildcats. 58 days. 58, huh? 58 is a significant number, I would say. Because our next guest was a tremendous number 58 at the BYU. His name's Chris Hoke, friend of the program, former BYU defensive lineman, Super Bowl champ, played with the Steelers in the NFL for a plethora of years. He's on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Chris, welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Hey, guys. I appreciate you having me on. Good to be here. Hey, 58 days. We've got to have number 58 on. What, why did you end up choosing that specific number at uh, BYU? You know, I have no clue. I remember when I came and the number that I wish I could tell you the number that they gave me. It's just kind of a random number. Didn't like the number. There was like a checklist out there. You could kind of select what number you want. I put 58 because I thought it was cool. And the rest is history, I guess. So it, they say. It is unique because you're not competing with another, uh, another guy for 58, I think. So we bring you on the show. We, want, we have you on with 58. It's great. Fantastic. What are you up to these days, by the way, Chris? So I live in Pittsburgh still, and involved with the Steelers. And I do the post-game show, you know, on KDK, which is the flagship station, CBS, for the Steelers. And I do some radio during the week. And I also am involved with real estate development, and just got my hands on quite a few things out here in Pittsburgh right now. Fantastic. Uh, we've talked to uh, your old teammate Brett Kiesel, not only in college but in the NFL, about his role in the Dark Knight Rises. Um, how come? How come you didn't get a role in the Dark Knight Rises? We were you hoping you'd have one. I'm, I'm still pretty ticked off about that. I, I'm not sure if I just didn't get the memo or what. And I was supposed to be a part of it. I know the producer, the executive producer, very, very well, and so you know we've had a lot of talks about that. I'm, I'm, I don't know if it was. I don't know what happened, but I should have been you, a part of that. You survived Bane. You survived Bane, I think, was I'll the idea, what, right? I'll tell you what, man, I, I, I would have been scared of Bane. He's a, he's a tough sucker. <laughs> Does Kiesel, like, take pictures of, like, the royalty checks he gets and send them to him every time they come in, those, like, six-cent checks that they, they roll in? <laughs> no. 
tell you what, Brett. Brett does just live down the street from me, though. I, I see him every once in a while. Uh, I'm sure he's got a lot more than just royalty checks coming in from Batman. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is right. Playing in the NFL for the, uh, what is it, four or five years, that'll do it. Uh, we're talking with Chris Hoke, former BYU defensive lineman, the number 58 with 58 days to go uh, on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Chris, we've been talking about uh, following the 4th of July, some of the most explosive plays in BYU sports history. What are some of your favorite explosive plays from when you played at BYU or historically? You know what? I, I think of when I when you guys asked me that, I think of a, a really explosive drive, and it was maybe not just a play, but as I think back in my career, remember my last season was 2000. It was LaBelle Edwards' last season, and we didn't have the best year the year we wanted, but we were down, and Brandon Doman had this explosive drive, threw the couple deep balls, scrambling around, doing what he did. And, and really won that game for us at the end of the game. Um, and, um, but we were, we were behind before he came in, and he, he played a great second half of that game. And uh, to me, that, that's something that explosively, in terms of coming on the scene, he, he exploded onto the scene in that Utah game, Brandon Doman. Chris, last season for BYU football was, was not what anybody expected. Where do you expect the Cougars to make the biggest improvement heading into 2018? I think it's, there's no question the biggest position that they, the most important position they need to improve at is the quarterback position. It was very inconsistent last year. Even when Tanner, before he got hurt, he was very inconsistent in the throwing. Uh, he, he wasn't very effective. And so that, if you want to, you know, you're going to my arm saying, what is the most important position? It always begins and ends the quarterback, but particularly because it was very inconsistent last year. I, and also, I, you know, I, I want to see the defense really step up and make big stops. Um, I think overall the defense, it was, you know, it was overshadowed by the lack of production on the offense, but I want to see the defense step up and make important critical stops in games when they need to to secure victories. The defensive line is always an interesting conversation, especially at BYU where linebacker is a position that BYU has successfully recruited for a long time. Defensive linemen, uh, there were some really good ones, uh, including yourself in, in your day with you and Brett Kiesel and others. So now Kalani Sataki and Elias Tuiaki were known for that at Utah. So here in year three, do you expect an uptick in play from that position? I sure hope so. You know, it really, at the end of the day, your linebackers will be as good as your defensive linemen, in my opinion. I mean, listen, I came from, played 11 years for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and it was always about the defensive linemen being unselfish, about taking on blockers, and it was, the defense was all about the linebackers. And so it seems to me like the kind of guys that, that the Cougars are recruiting right now are big, old, strong guys, and, and so they've got to be able to take on those blockers, these two blockers, so these linebackers can roam free. So if they're not getting penetration and they're not being disruptive themselves, they've got to find a way to make sure the linebackers don't get blockers up onto the second level to keep them out of plays. They've got to, then they've got to find a better way to free up those linebackers. How would you quantify success, perhaps statistically, with the defensive line? Because sacks for the interior linemen are harder to come by. Is it something like tackles for loss? Like, how would you quantify that? It, it, it's honestly, defensive line is a very unless you're not unless you're getting sacks or you're getting a bunch of tackles for losses. It's very difficult outside of the meeting room, outside of that that football office, to really quantify. Okay, is this guy a good defensive lineman? Now, inside the football facility, inside the offices. Those players, those coaches, they know that those players are great players because of what they do that's not seen in the statistical 
um, breakdown. I mean, these guys are going on, and if, if, if even the lineman is penetrating and making the running back cut his cut his path off early, or he's got to bounce and get wider, but it doesn't show up in the stat book. But it's something that the coaches see, the linebackers see, the defensive unit sees. So it's very difficult to answer your question to really quantify without sacks or tackles for a loss the effectiveness of a defensive lineman. Talking with Chris Hoke, former BYU defensive tackle, also Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers, joining us on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. A staple of independence for BYU has been tougher schedules, specifically at the beginning of the season against P5 teams. Do you like that approach for BYU moving forward, or or would you like to see the schedule lighten up just a little bit? Well, obviously, if you want to get national recognition, if you want to be considered one of the great teams in college football, you got to beat great teams. You can't play the New Mexico States and the Idaho's and the and you know teams of the like every single week. You just you'll, you'll be considered a, a bottom dweller if you beat teams like that. People won't even consider you being a great team. So you've got to play these tough teams. You got to win. And honestly, like everybody else, I wish we'd get into a conference. It, it gives you more to, to, to compete for, more to play for. You've got conference championships. You've got so many other things that, that in terms of financials, the economics of the game, it makes more sense. It's much, much easier. Um, so I, I just, it's, it's tough being independent because you've got, it, you've got to go out there, and it's a tougher job for Tom Homel. He's always got to be on his P's and Q's in terms of trying to get the schedule together and be able to balance a good quality schedule, not having too many hard games up front, and then the weak games in the back end. So it's, it's a very tough balancing act for everybody, and I, I, w- I would like them to balance that a little better, even though it's very difficult to do so. And the only way to do that is to get into a, a, a conference. Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Balance is the word, and that's certainly something that's difficult to do, like you mentioned with Tom Homo. Because if you play a bunch of good teams, but you go 500 in those, and you end up eight and five or whatever, you're not relevant. Um, you could be. Well, and then also too, I'll add to that. Not only you're not relevant, you can't beat them. But if you play in very good teams, P5 teams, not just low bottom dweller P5 teams, but you're playing like the Wisconsin, you're playing the Washington, you're playing these kind of schools, and then you back to back to back to back, you're going to get beat up. You don't have the depth that a lot of these schools have. You know, where you're, it is a huge drop off from your, your your one player to your two player, and so it, it, you know you get beat up playing that kind of schedule week in and week out, and, and so that makes it very difficult as well as to stay healthy throughout the entirety of the season. Absolutely, and for the second year in a row, BYU is going three Power Fives in a row uh, near the beginning of the season, which is certainly tough. Let's finish with this. Uh, you were teammates with Kalani Satake. What do you think of Kalani and what he's doing and could do for BYU football as the guy in charge now? Well, I think Kalani's doing a good job. You know, he's being dealt with this. I think any head coach that come in the situation right now with being independent with the schedule we have, it's tougher and tougher to recruit. Um, you know, in the past, all the LDS kids, the great LDS kids wanted to come to BYU. It's not like that anymore. And when you're 4-9 and, and you're not putting guys in the NFL on a consistent basis, you get one guy here, one guy there, and you get the school up the road that's, that's really putting more players in the NFL than you are, the culture of college football has changed. Kids don't come to be student-athletes anymore. They come to get to the NFL. It's a stepping stone. It's just a part of the process to get me to the NFL. That's the really mindset right now. And when you're only pushing one guy in the NFL a year to the draft, or maybe sometimes not even one draft pick, and you've got the, the youths up the road putting in five or six guys in the draft or four to six, it's tough to compete with, with the mindset of the high school players right now and, and not be able to get guys into the NFL. So 
really, I think Kalani's got, got his work, ahead, you know, cut out for him. And if he could start, you know, developing these players, getting more players into the NFL, and be able to, you know, recruit higher quality players, I think that he'll be able to change the change the, the, the fate of BYU football. Are you pulling for Belgium against Brazil in the World Cup, seeing as how you did go to Belgium <laughs> on your mission? You know, I, I think if I, it doesn't matter how many prayers, it doesn't matter how much I root for those guys, they're going to lose against Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, great insight. We appreciate the time, uh, and thanks for being number 58 so we could bring you on with All number right, 58. Guys. Thanks for having me. It's Chris Hoke on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. He's great. We don't need an excuse to get Chris Hoke on the phone because he's awesome. But the fact that there's 58 days to Arizona ties in as well. I always love when Chris's on. He he breaks down the game at another level. He uh, was probably 2015. He actually let me take a picture. He was here for Media Day, and he let me take a picture of his Super Bowl ring. I actually tweeted it out yeah, yesterday. It's pretty impressive. I think it's not small. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. Coming up, <laughs> is being the highest-ranked non-Power 5 program a big deal or no deal? We will discuss. And who's the best quarterback the Cougars will face this season? I'll tell you in my 10-10. and 10, This is BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back, Jerem Jordan and Jason Shepard in Radio Vision, live on BYU Radio and BYU TV. We are also on demand. Let's check out some of today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Tuesday, the Packers announced Jamal Williams as the team's rookie of the year. Why announce it like six months later? Williams led the team with 556 rushing yards and tied for the team lead with four rushing touchdowns. He'll be recognized July 1st, uh, 21st at Lambeau Field. U.S. Men's Volleyball is facing Portland. Portland. Poland. They're going to crush Portland. (laughs) They're facing Poland right now in the final round of the Volleyball Nations League in Lille, France. Former Cougar Taylor Sander has rejoined the team following the birth of his child. He joins former BYU teammate Ben Patch on the 14-man roster. The U.S., Poland, not Portland, and Russia are in Pool B. Top two teams advance to the semis. Right now, the U.S. leads 23-22 in the first set. It's great that Taylor Sander's back. That's big time for him. He's been out the whole competition, had a baby. Peace! Mom-in-law, take over! Zach Blair and Daniel Summerhays begin competing in the a military tribute at the Greenbrier tournament this afternoon. Blair even through one, while Summerhays tees off at 110 Eastern, coming up right after the show. Blair seeks to place in a fourth consecutive tournament. Summerhays looks to end a streak of four missed cuts in a row. Jacob Hanneman went two for three with a walk and a run scored yesterday in the Iowa Cubs 6-2 to two win over the Nashville Sounds. That was his first multi-hit performance in 18 games. Now, Sounds, I assume it's like actual music because it's Nashville, but if you mm-hmm. said the Seattle Sounds or Seattle Sounders, that would be different. That's a body of water. Yes, yeah. yes. This, so is, this can, is music related. Yeah, you can see the sound is my point. It's the sounds of Nashville. The sound of silence is something mm. we don't uh, have here because it's with, yeah, we have to talk and stuff. Okay, uh, yesterday was a holiday, so we didn't do it, but today is the day. It's another 10 in 10. Let's go. 10 lists in 10 weeks. It's Jerem, 10 in 10. Today we look at the top 10 quarterbacks BYU will face in 2018. Not listed, Hawaii and New Mexico State. Number 10, James Tabory. McNeese State, they finally made the list. He started three games at Arkansas State in 2015, 2016. Tabory transferred to McNeese State, home of the Fighting Heat Destroyers. Threw for 3,000 plus. Last season, 2,500 passing yards, 21 TDs. Eight picks. Sneaky. Number 10. Look, I'm, I'm excited that McNeese State made the list, but uh, they have no chance of winning in Provo. 
And that is not the discussion. Number nine, Jordan Love, Utah State. The redshirt freshman took over midway through the year for Kent Myers, sparking the Aggies to three wins in four games. 55% passer, 6.9 yards per attempt. Those aren't great numbers. Eight TDs, six picks. Those don't impress anybody, but growing into the role, run threat, expect better things with Utah State with Love being the guy from the start Look, of the season. This is great for Jordan Love. I'm more excited to see when the Jazz, the Utah Jazz, trade for his brother Kevin. That is what they, I mean. They yes, are not related. They are not they related. They are not related. Number eight, Marcus Childers, Northern Illinois. The freshman, Childers, took over in game five, won six of the next seven to get to the MAC title game. Childers rushed for 473 yards as well. MAC freshman of the year threw for th- 16 touchdowns in seven games, 58% passer. Yeah, he's really impressive. I mean, this is certainly one of those games everyone's kind of looking it's at. Sneaky. Yeah, they're, they're sneaky good. We're Can't warning you that Northern it shouldn't Illinois. be sneaky. Yes. yes. Yeah. Number seven, Ross Bowers, Cal. Threw for 3,000 yards, 18 touchdowns. Tenth in the pack in passer rating. Threw eight of his 12 picks in the seven losses. He's going to have to beat, uh, beat out South Carolina transfer dual threat Brandon McElwain, who ran the scout squad last year. This team is far off having the number one overall pick in Jared Goff at the helm. Yeah, I actually heard an interview with the uh, offensive coordinator for Cal, and um, I think he likes what he has to work with, but yeah, by, by no means is anything solidified. He's got to win the job. Yes. Number six, Andrew Ford, UMass. He had a five-touchdown passing game against Ohio, 22 touchdowns, 14 picks two years ago, four last year. Ford and the Minutemen beat the Cougars in Provo, of course. They were up 60-0 at one point. 63% passer, 2,900 yards. He looks like a QB. Look at that guy. He passes a lot. 32 times a game last season. Second most of any opposing starting quarterback. He's efficient. Here's all I have to say. Hashtag beat UMass. Uh, yeah, thanks, Spencer. Number five, Tyler Huntley, Utah. Third in the Pac-12 in total offense, 295 a game. More comfortable after a sophomore season where he was the guy except for the three games he missed due to injury. He has elite 11 quarterback Jack Tuttle waiting in the wings, so he's got to keep the job. Keep Tuttle off the field. 64% passer, 15 touchdowns, 10 picks, 6 rushing touchdowns. I think he's just a placeholder for uh, for Jack Tuttle. If you listen to people talk about him, you would think he's Joe Montana of college football. Uh, Tuttle? Yeah. And Huntley, uh, former like Florida State Player of the Year, so he's yes. a slouch. Uh, number four, this is where it really gets good. Uh, Alex Hornibrook, Wisconsin. Averaged 8.3 yards per attempt. Surprisingly explosive in the spirit of that. Tied for second most uh, of any BYU opponent. 62% passer. 18 of 19 versus BYU. Four TDs, no picks. Woo! That 18 of 19, by the way, 94%. Second FBS quarterback to do that on the road since 2000. The other, Wisconsin quarterback, my quarterback, Russell Wilson. <laughs> 25 touchdowns, 15 picks, efficient. Not a run threat, but very precise. Yeah, this this is a throwing quarterback, and he doesn't need to be a run threat when you have... Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> when you have that rushing attack, Wisconsin, and the offensive line. Number three best quarterback BYU will face in 2018, Brett Ripp in Boise State. Four-year starter, 63% passer, nearly 2,900 yards last year, 16 TDs, six picks. Those are down from numbers he usually puts up. 12 of 19, a pick, a TD versus BYU. FBS active leader with 9,900 pass yards. Didn't wow last year, but he's capable of what he did two years ago against BYU. 442 passing yards, four TDs. He had three picks in that game as well, but he can be the number one guy on this list. Without question. It, it, It really is interesting to me. The caliber of quarterbacks Boise State gets. Oh, they, they, they are very good year in and year out for the most part at quarterback. Number two, Khalil Tate, Arizona. Mr. October, as some called him after four wins last season. Dark horse Heisman candidate. Rushed for an NCAA quarterback record 327 yards off the bench. 
versus Colorado last season. I repeat, rushed. He became the first QB in Pac-12 history to rush for 1,000 yards. After a stellar first month, though, Tate went from 14 yards a carry, which is insane, to 5.8, which is still quality, but lost four of the last five in November in the bowl game. Can the Cougars contain the explosive Khalil Tate? And you're a huge fan of him, seeing as how that's why you're naming your soon-to-be-born son after him. And why wouldn't you? You watch most of BYU's biggest moments in opposing team student sections. (laughs) And the top quarterback BYU will face in 2018 is Jake Browning of Washington. Browning's sophomore season was amazing. 43 touchdowns, 3,400 passing yards in the college football playoff. Last season, 19 TDs, 2,700 passing yards. Browning threw for 300-plus one time last year. You know who else did that? Tanner Mangum. Which Browning shows up this season? I think it's the better version of him. If you're watching on BYU TV, you saw the picture of uh, Browning. There's nothing about that picture of Jake Browning that says, I'm a high-level college quarterback that will play at the next level. I actually questioned the production crew, and I said, that's the most recent photo we have of him. When he's in the helmet, he looks like he's very quarterback yes. as Colin Cowherd yes. says. Um, he's so good. He looks very young. That, look, that's the best quarterback BYU's facing, in my opinion. And that is uh, 10 and 10 coming up uh, next week. More of that all the way up until the season, the top 10 of whatever uh, on the BYU schedule. A quick update to one of our headlines. Taylor Sander, Ben Patch, Team USA, win the first set 28-26 in extras against Poland. Uh, They're in Lily, France. Good luck to Team USA. Rob Nielsen, one of the assistants on that team as well. Our question of the day, what's the most explosive play in BYU history at Ames Flames? I know this comes up a lot, but that's because it should. Back to Harleen. No one was moving. No one was breathing. Everyone was afraid to hope for a miracle. The time ran out. The play was in motion. And then, touchdown. Explosive cheers. One for the books. That's I s- an all-timer. I, to me, the second greatest play in BYU history. Look, I said this in our production meeting uh, this morning to our producer, Ben. I said, regardless of the question, the answer can always be back to Harleen. Like, like it's such a huge... Regardless, I'm thinking of all these... Red- <laughs> Like, did dinosaurs really exist? or were they, to, uh, They're like, back, back to Harlan. Back to they're Harlan. Like, like, all right, okay. I can't argue with that. Okay. I can't argue with I, that. I guess so. That's how great that play was. <laughs> it answers almost every question. That's how great it was. What should, what should I name my child in, like, the next week or two? Back to Harlan. That's kind of a weird name, but okay. They're like, that makes total sense. I completely who's, understand who's, it. Who's they? Uh, them. Coming up, more from you in Voice of the Nation, including more Back to Harlan responses. And most likely... Okay, and big deal, no deal. The six-foot Jashir Hardnett shows up, shows the bunnies on social media. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Download BYU Sports Nation on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to BYU Sports Nation anytime, anywhere. Jeremy Jordan, Jason Shepard, live from Studio B with your BYU Sports play-by-play. If you missed the show at noon Eastern, you can check out the rebroadcast at 6 Eastern on BYU TV. I always love meeting people that will say, I watch the show both times. I'm like, that's awesome. Hardcore. That's next level. I, I, you're an elite fan of BYU They watch Sports it both Nation. times live. Then yeah. get it. And then they watch it on demand. Then watch and then, on, then they and listen, then they to, listen the pod- to the podcast. podcast. Yeah, it's, that's a lot of time. Our question of the day, what's the most explosive play in BYU Sports history? At OPC underscore Killa. Fake pun on 4th and 19 against rival Boise State, much like the fireworks last night. I couldn't sleep. Get out Johnny Socks. Get him. We've got him on the desk. These are Johnny well, Lenehan. Spencer brought these up here. I, 
No, he he gave them to us. They were game worn. Yeah, I know. Well, well, let's do something with them and not hide them. We're not hiding them. They're there when we need them. And who knows? When maybe we need those. Them? What were, are we using them? Maybe for? those were used during Fourth and Nine. Clean? Nineteen. Excuse me. I thought we had a policy on this. I think you need to read the sign over here. Yeah, yeah, these are Johnny Linehan's game yeah, yeah. worn I, socks. We have a we have a. Thing There's even here grass stains on these. That's turf. That's not even grass. All right, put these back. And is there. that even a big deal? Let's play big deal, no deal. Big deal, no deal. Big deal, no deal is presented by the Utah Valley Convention and Visitors Bureau. Bring everyone together at visitprovo.org. It's definitely a big deal. Number one. Game warm socks, not a big deal. A little smelly, not a big deal. <laughs> hey, number one, big deal, no deal. BYU being the highest ranked non-P5 athletic program in the five-year average of the Learfield Cup standings. Um, yeah, it's a big deal. I mean, we talked about it at the beginning of the show, what the Learfield Cup standings mean, that it encompasses everything in your athletic department. It's not just football. It's not just basketball. It's all of it. So that is a big deal. That's certainly something, when you're trying to get into a conference, this is something you would, you bring this up. You bring up how powerful your athletic department as a whole is based against other teams. So yeah, this is a big deal. It is a big deal because you're the best of the rest. is not a Power 5 uh, program. They're like a Power 5 program in many instances, uh, but they aren't currently in one. And if you're the best of the rest, that's the best you can do in that situation. So I go big deal. Number two. Big deal, no deal. Max Hall's video over Twitter of Ty Detmer showing he still has it at the QB Elite Camps. I'm going to say no deal. What? And I'm going to say no deal because I knew he still had it. Oh, snap. I don't I don't need to be reminded how great Ty Detmer is. Even at this age? The, the Yeah. It's like riding a bike if you're Ty Detmer. You Except never you're forget. you're not on a bike, you're running. You never forget how to throw a perfect pass. Yeah, it's no deal. I knew he could now, do this. Of course this. you don't forget, but can you throw it? Yeah. It's a physical thing. Yes, and, and so was riding a bike not and really. driving a stick shift. You never forget how to do it. <laughs> I go big deal. Ty's not the young Ty anymore. That was impressive, the way he uh, he danced around in that drill and uh, fired one. It, if you, I mean, the last two years, if you watched the, the pregame, Ty was out there throwing, too, which was fun to see. Was Ty the best quarterback on the roster last year? I don't think we should ask that question or discuss it because the truth might hurt. I don't know. I don't know. He didn't have any eligibility. Oh, just bust out the... Look at that. Look, look, look at the form. The, look at the form on the, that. Look at the hunter go. Number three. He was the only QB on the roster last year with the Heisman Trophy. We True. know that. Ever. Uh, big deal, no deal. Jasheer Hardnett dunking on social media. Okay, Jasheer Hardnett put out uh, some video of him dunking. He's listed at six foot. So for one, that's that's pretty good. But two, he claims to have lost like 12 to 15 pounds. He looks like he's in good shape. Um, so you see him warming up here, going up, throwing it down. Oh, a little 360. That one, this is a, this is impressive. I go big deal on this. He's he's looking like he's in tremendous shape. Yeah, that is Working a big hard. deal. As somebody who can't dunk, being able to see someone at his <laughs> size being able to dunk, yeah, it's a big deal. Does it give you hope, even though it's not? No, happen? but uh, I never dunked. I like the, like I, I, never re- dunked. I remember back in the day. I'm six. Just never dunked. being super pumped and feeling like I had arrived when I could touch the rim. Oh, touching the rim is like yeah, a big deal. It's a, it's a huge dunk. deal. 
Touching the like, rim is the moral victory. And then you're like, I can't palm the ball, so I'm not going to actually dunk it. So, yeah. Yeah. Moral victory. Amen to that. Last but not least, number four. Nothing like touching the rim on an eight-foot hoop. Right, <laughs> It was not eight foot. At the elementary school. It was oh, a ten-foot regulation. <laughs> <laughs> Last one. Big deal, no deal. Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out today. It's a big deal. All these movies are great. And here's the thing. I'm not comic book guy. I don't read comic books, but I'm superhero guy, and I'm mm-hmm. certainly superhero movie guy. And I knew nothing about Ant-Man when I saw the first one. And that was a, that was a really good movie. It's funny. So I have high hopes for this one. Yeah, I'm, I think it's a big deal. And it's going to make a ton of money because hashtag Marvel. I do like uh, Evangeline Lilly, Kate from Lost. Remember her? Mm-hmm. She's Wasp. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I need Spencer to watch Ant-Man first, and then he can watch this one. So I'm excited for him to consume both. He watched Civil War and Infinity War without having seen Ant-Man. And I was like, "What? Let's listen. Dude's night. We're going to watch the movies you haven't seen in this series and do it. This is a big deal. I'm excited. Probably going to see it maybe Monday. <laughs> I'm I can't have a so due date is Tuesday on our baby. I can't have this this baby um until Tuesday well, because I want to see Ant-Man and the Wasp and I have uh, some golfing plans this weekend. So I can't have this baby interrupt my life. Look, here's the deal. Oh, wow. You're going to probably hear that one later. Uh, Whitney knows. Depending and how, her mom. Depending how long labor takes, you might be able to fit in a movie. We did go We did go 10 hours from Get to Hospital to Baby Birth last time, so that's plenty of time, right? Here's the biggest reason that's a big deal. <laughs> Paul Rudd from Kansas City, Chiefs fan. Coming up, Rookie of the Year honors for a BYU Cougar. It's all in the whip. And the latest from France with the Cougars repping Team USA, what Taylor Sander did a moment ago. And the Cougars on the PGA Tour in action today. This is BYU Sports Station. Chiefs fan, of course. Big Deal No Deal is sponsored by the Utah Valley Convention and Visitors Bureau. Bring everyone together. BYU Sports Nation is brought to you in part by DexterLaw.com for help when you need it most. Thanks to today's guest, Chris Hoke, number 58. Sorry to Dennis Pitt in no time, bro. If you missed uh, any of today's program, you can download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. Cougars in the NFL. On Tuesday, the Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame announced that they have chosen Jamal Williams as the team's 2017-2018 Rookie of the Year. Williams led the team with 556 rushing yards and tied for the team lead in rushing TDs with four. Williams will receive the award during a celebration at the Lambeau Field Atrium Fancy on July 21st. Volleyball. Team USA, uh, the men's team, is playing in Poland right now in the final round of the Volleyball Nations League in Lille, France. Top two teams among USA, Russia, and Poland advance to the semifinals. Former Cougar Taylor Sanders rejoined the team after the birth of his child. Ben Patch also on the 14-man roster. The U.S. won the first set 28-26 on a Taylor Sander ace and now lead 11-6 in the second set. Cougars in the PGA. Zach Blair and Daniel Summerhays are competing in the a military tribute at the Greenbrier tournament today. Ah! Blair is currently even through his first two holes while Summerhays tees off at 110 <laughs> Eastern time. Blair seeks to place in a fourth consecutive tournament while Summerhays looks to end a streak of four straight missed cuts. Cougars in the minors. That was as well done, uh, Cougars in the PJ, as we've ever had. Thank you. In the history of this program. Thank you. Jacob Hanneman, 2-for-3 with a walk and a run scored yesterday in the Iowa Cubs. 6-2 win over the Nashville Sounds. That was his first multi-hit game in 18. Michael Rucker pitched four innings yesterday in the Tennessee Smokies' 9-8 loss to the Jackson Generals. Darius? 
<laughs> Rucker struck out five and battled through surrendering three walks and six hits to give up zero runs. Only want to pitch to you. Tuesday, Daniel Schneeman, two for three in the Arizona League. Indians, 8-7 win over the Arizona League. Reds, one of his two hits, two-run homer. Also had a sack fly, two runs scored overall. Schneeman now has scored seven runs the past four games. And your boy, my boy too, Adam Law, the Tacoma Rainiers, went one for four and scored a run yesterday against the Albuquerque Isotopes in an 8-2 loss. Law is right now riding a seven-game hitting streak. He's also hitting two eighty two on the season. Gotta love a a quality isotope. (laughs) Today's Rise and Shout is brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. Who gets it? I want to give it to Jamal. Rookie of the year for the Packers? The Jamal fence? Yes. Well, they have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, but... Look, you, you're the rookie of the year for the Green Bay Packers? That's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I think that's a pretty decent accomplishment. Decent it was. Uh, the question of the day, what's the most explosive play in BYU sports history? Let's go to the voice of the nation. This is the voice of the nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Blue Cougar F-Ball, Dennis Pitt, a TD catch at Colorado State in 2008, looked a lot like an explosion. Two defenders and Pitt all colliding and falling to the turf while Pitt's helmet popped off. That was a great touchdown catch That's three from mi- a man we will not have on this That program. is three mentions of Dennis Pitt by you right there. I really? like it. What was, the, what was the second? No, three mentions. You mentioned his name three times. At BYU for me, <laughs> Kyle Van Noy's 2012 bowl plays uh, play exploded him into the NFL and starting in the Super Bowl. Tremendous fourth quarter. The whole fourth quarter was unbelievable by Kyle Van Noy. Perhaps the greatest single defensive individual quarter in BYU football history. He just took over. The offense stunk. So Kyle, Kyle Van Noy was like, enough is enough. It just takes, just takes over. It just takes over, dude. That's what he does. Our elite voice of the day at Spencer underscore BYU. Is this Spencer Linden? From a pure explosion standpoint, I'm going with the Braden Elbakri hit. That was better than any firework. That's a great answer. Great one. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Don't forget, use the hashtag BYUSN, the show on demand. BYUSN.com. Jerem has threatened me if I do not throw the football. I said you'd be fined $58 for that's 58 days. Me. And that's a spiral, and that's a touchdown. For Jason, I'm Jerem. Shout out to Tim Mahoney. BYU Sports Nation, Back at it tomorrow at noon Eastern time, baby.